Welcome to On the Bench. I'm Brendan Sinone. You're not going to hear very much more from me, though, which is a good thing. Uh, joining me right now is Chris Nee, and Chris Nee is going to introduce who's going to be joining him in a minute. Christopher, I'll let you take the take the platform here. Florida State second-year head coach for baseball, Mike Martin Jr., better known as Meat to those around the baseball program. He's going to join us today and talk about the 21 version of his Seminoles. We're going to look a little bit back on a 20 version. That was obviously a very abbreviated version, thanks to the pandemic shutting things down in mid-March for his club, about 15 games into the season. We're going to reflect a bit on that, navigating those waters of that time away from the baseball diamond. You know, what he learned about his team through fall ball and here in the run-up to the season. FSU baseball hits the diamond next Friday against UNF to open the 2021 campaign. They're playing a 50-game season, 14 out of conference, 36 in conference. A very good ACC conference. Expanded rosters are going to be a big storyline of the baseball season. FSU is one that obviously will enjoy that with a healthy amount of seniors returning and a big freshman newcomer class coming in. A lot of arms on this team. I think that's an area you're going to hear meets excitement about. Also, really, really good outfield. I think the national storylines for FSU's offense is going to center around potentially Maddie Nelson behind the plate and then outfield of Robbie Martin, Reese Albert, and Elijah Cabell, three big bats, really capable players. Robbie might be the best pro prospect on the uh, diamond who's not a pitcher for FSU right now. But, I mean, Elijah's got a huge bat. Everybody knows he can hit at a country mile. And Reese Albert's fully healthy and back to his old form. That makes him one of the better players in baseball in his own right. And a guy who certainly can be an all-conference type and compete for all-American type honors. Infield's got some ideas, but there's things that are working on there. And I think you're going to hear me talk about that as well. Uh, the thing I like about Mike Martin Jr., very straightforward, very candid doesn't really BS you about things. He says exactly what he thinks about things and says it very direct. And I've always appreciated that. I enjoy it. We talk a bit about, you know, what he's learned in that first year as being a head coach, especially with his new staff and a little bit of recruiting dabble into it. Not too much. I know baseball recruiting is not on everybody's mind, but it's an important part. It's the lifeblood of the program. And I think this program is showing that they're having an uptick in that regard. And I think that's why, People think that they can have some real big success here in the coming years. Dude, I can't believe it's baseball season. Like, it's right here, what, in a week from, from today? A week from Friday. So from about Friday. 10 okay. days away, 10 days. essentially. 11 Ooh. days technically from today, but 10 days. First pitch is UNF on Friday evening. Next week, they play a three-game series, two on Saturday. A lot of games in the early schedule. Uh, FSU kind of front-loaded their schedule, especially with non-conference games in the midweek. So they'll have some flexibility if they need to reschedule games down the stretch. So you don't see a whole lot of midweek come May, for example, but you do see a good bit for March and into April. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think the ACC is a damn good league. I think FSU is going to be a competitive team in that league. But I think there's eight, nine teams in that league that certainly have a shot of playing in the NCAA tournament without a doubt. I mean, I think there's nine teams that most people would say are probably top 30, 35 in the country. FSU, you know, there's six baseball polls, so you can find FSU in the top 10. You can find them, you know, around 30. So that's kind of how those polls play. On average, FSU's around about 20 in the polls. And I, I think that's fair going into the year. There's some question marks, as I mentioned, the infield. There's a lot of young pitching that, you know, just isn't super well-known. Obviously, Carson Montgomery, freshman who passed on the MLB draft, is a fairly well-known name. But there's other guys who are going to play a big role on this team as far as arms who are unknown young guys in the sense of just hasn't done it in the college game. But, 
yeah, I'm looking forward to baseball. I always enjoy baseball. I enjoy a nice afternoon at Hauser. Uh, 25% capacity for Hauser this year. Obviously disappointing because Hauser is a great home stadium, one of the better ones in college baseball. But 25% is better than zero. I think you're going to hear Meat say, and he's said it a couple times now in the run-up to the preseason, he's hoping that 25% makes it sound like a really loud place. He wants that 25% to be there in full capacity of 25% and represent. And I think he'll probably echo those sentiments once again today. If they let all the animals in, then then certainly, and they may not all be in section B, I guess, huh? This some animals, is- some libations. We got it. We can do that. <laughs> all right. So Meat's going to join us in a minute. Uh, like I, Chris said, like I said, he's very, very blunt in a good way, though. He's refreshing in that manner, very straightforward. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy his insights and reflection onto his baseball program, both where it was a year ago, where it's going right now, position battles, recruiting, et cetera. Uh, real quick, we're going to take a commercial break, and we are going to have later on in the week a mailbag edition of On the Bench. If you're interested in asking questions for that, people often ask, how do I ask a question? We always have a thread up on Knowles247.com in the day or two leading up to it. So if you're a member of Knowles247, that's the best way to get a question in for the mailbag. So far, you guys have come strong with the questions. Might be the best mailbag to date in terms of the material you're giving us. Now we'll see later this week if we deliver for you guys. All right, commercial break. And then on the other side of it, we got meat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. On the bench today is joined by Florida State second-year head coach Mike Martin, Jr. Coach, thank you for taking the time and joining us today. Absolutely. Can you just talk a little bit about last year? Uh, Wednesday, March 11th, you guys beat Illinois State at home 7-4, obviously still enjoying that victory in Gainesville from the night before handing the Gators their first loss. When you left Hauser that night, did you have any idea what the next day held in the sense of sports shutting down and everything that came with it did you have a sense of what was coming or just kind of paint the picture for us of what that moment was like for you i remember uh mike metcalf grabbing his phone as i was about to walk out of the coach's area and he said my gosh this is getting a little bit worrisome and then i remember you know hanging with you guys after the press conference for a little while and you know the looks on some of y'all's faces because y'all had been reading, you know, things happen so fast and we were obviously on the field playing and, um, no, I, I didn't, you know, I, I had a sense that something weird was going on. Maybe we're going to have to take a little break, but never dreamed of completely shut down. How disappointing year one of you as a head coach, obviously been tied to the program for decades, but your first year putting your fingerprints on it, getting a feel for it your team was starting to kind of figure things out to some degree, obviously. And I'm sure you were too, in the sense of doing it for the first time as a head coach, 
how disappointing was it just to halt and stop? And did it stymie development or did you guys still kind of learn in that virtual environment of how to do what was next? Yeah, we really felt as though we would, because we were starting to play defense. I mean, the offense was, you know, adequate. It was enough. We were scoring runs. No, it wasn't perfect. Um, But, you know, our pitching was elite. And, you know, that was going to be even better since we were starting to figure out, you know, where guys needed to be and uh, who can, you know, do it when the lights come on and stuff like that. We really thought we'd make a run at, you know, the whole thing. Really did. What was it like dealing with the players there as March turned into, you know, April, May, June, July, and obviously baseball was gone, but guys were going to possibly get a year back, be able to come back. What was it like just dealing with the student athlete as they were trying to figure out what was next, how to navigate these waters, and also stay prepared for baseball while they couldn't really be around you guys? Because obviously conditioning goes by the side to some degree, and development can also lack because – no ability to be around you and your staff as well as also those summer leagues when the summer months rolled around. Yeah, we just tried to, you know, shoot out as much positive stuff as we could uh, and kind of keep their spirits up. And, um, you know, of course, you know, giving them that hope of summer ball. And um, But it was it was difficult when we, when we sent them home um, because the uncertainty, you know, that's the, the, the kicker in all this is the fear of the uncertainty. And, um you know, there's a lot on their plate to begin with, and then you throw that on top. We just tried to counteract it with positivity, and, um, you know, I'd take pictures of the stadium and say, you know, one day we're going to get this place rocking again, and, um, you know, just just trying to, you know, keep it positive as best we could. Before we turn to page 21, what did you learn working with Jimmy and Mike last year, your two assistants? I, I know you had a relationship with Mike beforehand and you were familiar with Jimmy to some degree, but what was it like getting a hands-on feeling of working side-by-side side with those guys on the diamond and in the offices, recruiting and all of those things that come with it? Yeah, it, it went um, better than I could have imagined. Um, you know, you always worry as a head coach when you're bringing in two guys that don't know each other uh, and then bringing into the fold, you know, with T. T Holt, you know, how are they going to get along? Because that's crazy important when it comes to an organization. And, um, you know, I, I had known Jimmy from a, pro, you know, professional side, but I really didn't know him from a personal side. Tried my best during the process of getting to know him. And, um, but they really hit it off. Uh, they're really good at what they do. Um, you know, I, I really feel like I've got uh, the best staff in the country from, you know, our administrative side to, you know, Chip and Ops and, you know, my guys really, you don't have to tell them to work. You know, they're going to work and um, they're going to do things the right way. So it's been, it's been a pleasure. Recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. I know you love to recruit and that you worked very hard at it when you were an assistant. What has it been like adding those two guys to the fold and getting out there on the path and beating and going to perfect game and everything that comes with summer recruiting for baseball and just finding kids. I know, I don't know if our listeners realize, but baseball is very much recruited in advance. You guys are usually recruiting two to three years out a lot. So what has it been like kind of catching up as you become a new staff in this yeah, program? We really only had that, that short period of time from the time they got hired, you know, to really, you know, do it together, if you will. Now it's all, you know, video and, um, you know, trusting, leaning on the people that are baseball guys that, you know, can say yes they vouch for this and that the other that you really can't see the intangibles that you really can't see on video 
um, you know, what kind of kids they are and stuff like that. So recruiting's done a, you know, a complete 180. But, it, the, you know, the show goes on, and you got to adjust to it. And Mike and Jimmy have done a great job of, of doing that. You know, we've um, you know, landed guys that we want to get, and um, we got to have the horses keep coming in. Throughout fall ball, as you were preparing for the unexpected of a 21 season, I kept asking you about the schedule. I think I asked you pretty much every time we spoke to you, you know, what do you expect for a schedule and things of that sort? Obviously, it took a little while into January for them to set the schedule. What did you think of it once they did it in the sense of the conference heavy and the regional heavy portion of it? Yeah, I um, that was that was difficult. It was a mad dash to, you know, gobble up teams to fill out your non-conference. And, um, you know, we got it done. It's um, a situation where, you know, everybody's had to adjust. But um, I do like the 12 weekends. Um, you know, I think that's the safe thing you can do if things go bad. Um, you know, we have the option to kick it to four games on the weekend. And you know, we've got to get our games in. That's the main thing. It's not um, – you know, you get you got to get them in. We only got fifty. Everybody else has got fifty-six. And don't get me going on that. But anyway, um, we, we got to make sure we get them in. So um, thank goodness we were able to get a schedule that's um, you know, play as many home games as we can for our great fans. And um, you know, it's competitive as always. And um, the league's going to be a, a bear. A lot of people say we got the best league in the country this year. Yeah, I think nine of the top 30 or so teams in most of the polls, when you did composite of the polls, are ACC teams. So that speaks to the strength of the league. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It's going to be, you know, we're, we feel like we're talented and we know that, you know, there's a bunch of guys going back, went back to school. And, um, you know, those guys that have experience have a way of winning. And, um, you know, we got to be able to match focus and, and talent and everything else to compete in this league. Do you like the Florida series as it is in the sense of one at your place, one at their place, one neutral in most years, or would you prefer it to be a true weekend series or even maybe two weekend series with one here, one there? I like the old way we used to do it was the four, two at their place, two at our place, you know, starting on a Thursday. That was the way we did it for years. And it was, you know, it was a blast. It was, you know, the fans loved it. And, you know, the, the following year would be two at our place first and then two at their place. Um, I'd love to go back to that because that's that's how you'll really find out who's the best is a four game set. And, um, you know, I, I wish we'd go back to that, but I forget which coach it was, but came in and axed that. And, um, you know, the fact that we can't go to Jacksonville this year, that stinks because that's a treat for everybody. Um, our players love it, big crowds, fans love it over there. It's, um, it's a very festive environment, but. Can't do it this year, but, um, yeah, I'd like to go back to the Ford straight. You always speak a lot about Hauser and the environment of Hauser and how it's special in college baseball. Right now the plan is 25% capacity, but what is your hope for what Hauser is like for your guys and also to opposing teams when people walk in there in Tallahassee this year? That we still have, you know, that environment. Uh, Our fans are into it. They don't sit on their hands. They are very vocal and – you know, with 25%, we can still create an environment that is beneficial, you know, to our guys when, you know, you're coming on, you're, you're dragging, you're tired, and, you know, the fans get going. It, it really helps, and it changes momentum, and it gets in the other team's head, and um, I think we can still do it. The main thing we've got to do is is make sure those seats are filled. You know, fans can't use them. Um, you know, give them away or put them on StubHub or whatever needs to be done, but we've got to 
we got to get the max in there that we can every every single ball game. With having had the opportunity to watch football play through the pandemic and now basketball trying to make a go of it, what are some of the lessons you hope baseball has learned in the sense of just navigating a schedule and dealing with the possibility of being shorthanded despite having a lengthened roster for the coming season? Yeah, we've been stressing it, you know, since we know that there's going to be bumps in the road with COVID or injuries or whatever. But, um, you know, the, the whole being ready mentally and physically, um, that's been a challenge, the physical part, because they have, you know, nobody. We've got a big group text with all the ACC coaches and everybody. You know, the guys just aren't in shape. You know, it's been so long since they've done anything. And um, so we've been stressed on that and, you know, making sure that you're ready because we've got to be versatile. Guys have got to have that winner's mentality of, you know, not a, oh, I haven't, you know, played this position and, you know, how many ever days and I haven't gotten work here. We're not going to have that type of mentality. It's going to be, I'm ready. I'm prepared. I've been um, working towards this my whole life and, um, you know, I'm ready to go. Is the idea when it comes to cross training, guys playing both corner spots, guys playing both middle spots, outfield being able to play any of the three spots. Is that kind of how you're approaching it? That's exactly what we're doing. You know, we're first and third. Uh, some guys that can, you know, play second, maybe not can't play short, but we'll bounce them over there. Um, the outfielders are bouncing to all spots, just preparing. You know, you got to gotta have that versatility. And, um, you know, the whole catching thing is a big issue. Um, so we lost Sebastian Jimenez, one of our freshman catchers, to an injury. So he's out for the year. So, um, you know, we're going to try to figure out what we're exactly going to do, you know, back there when it comes to um, providing depth. Is that somewhere like a Doug Kirkland? Would he possibly move back? I know he intended to just pitch going forward, but I know he has some experience behind the plate previously in his career. Yes, we're going to work him back in. Yes, he's going to do an awful lot of uh, pitching for us, you know, heavy lifting, if you will. Um, he's very talented, and, and he's he's good behind the plate as well. It's just, um, you know, balancing that and keeping his arm fresh and sharp, but not overdoing it. But, yeah, he's, he's back in the fold behind the plate when – Baz went down. And I know you have a lot of depth at most positions, but at catcher with losing Sebastian, you really only have two technically. Maddie Nelson and Colton Vincent are kind of your base. Do you have to tell those two to stay away from each other because of COVID and concerns that if one got it, you don't want the other one getting it? And is that just so weird because usually you would want them to be connected at the hip and obviously Maddie teaching Colton everything that Maddie does now? Yeah, it is weird. And you have to separate them. You know, we've already started working on rooming lists and you know you got to have you know such and such has already had it well he's got to go room with a guy who hasn't had it and um just because the contact tracing is going to be the bear and um so we're trying to uh educate our guys as best we can and um you know make it as easy as possible are there thresholds for baseball or is there if you don't have so many of this you can't play the game type of ideas that are going well it it still hasn't been officially decided uh, in the league um because it's a long story but the whole thing is the safety of the players and they haven't said okay well if somebody goes down with covid and then a guy gets there you only got two like we you know or some teams do um you know, okay, if the injury causes it, what happens that that game? You know, that's the one topic that we haven't, you know, finalized is, is what's going to happen if COVID comes first or the injury comes first. You know, do you push those games back? Um, obviously, we're 
in favor of pushing them back because we've got to get in is right. you know our maximum number of games. And that's why you left May midweek largely open in the sense of playing a top-heavy early schedule midweek course. Cor- correct. Just in case, you know, we've got to push games back and um, we, we can, you know, thank goodness they left it up to us. You know, we can do whatever we want. We can agree to go meet somebody somewhere and play, and it counts. And, you know, we just you – know, whatever, uh, whatever you can figure out, just get your games in. I guess from an individual player standpoint, we'll start with Matty Nelson. When I saw him in the fall, he looked like he was in the best shape of his career. And I know you spoke some about him leaning out and just getting fresher legs, essentially, in the sense of thinning out. How much has that helped him with handling the workload that comes with being a catcher? Yeah, he's um, he has come back in great shape, and uh, and it shows. He's running better. He's his feet are quicker when you know throw downs the second, um, and then he's always had those leadership qualities. So. Um, you know, we're expecting big things out of him. He's playing very well, and uh, we just got to keep him healthy. Do you have a pretty good handle of what your infield is going to look like in 10 days? No. <laughs> How about that for an answer? <laughs> um, these battles are literally going to go down, you know, to the last couple of days of practice. Um, we've got some good ones that's made people better, um, but I am, I am not content in, in saying anything except, you know, behind the plates. Nelly's won that job. I've talked to you previously about Dylan Simmons. I know you intend to use him a lot on the mound. He's also someone who's obviously a DH candidate, but is he someone that could play first when he's not pitching? Oh, no question. He's, um, you know, we told him, you know, that we need you lighter on your feet and, you know, stuff like that. And I think he saw it um, and his defense has greatly improved. And um, absolutely, we put, wouldn't hesitate at all to put him in. Is Tyler still likely, Tyler Martin still likely at third, or is he possibly playing first, or could he even move to the middle infield? I know he kind of can play anywhere of those four spots. Yeah, right now we're, we're trying to, again, because of COVID and everything else, trying to find where guys have the least amount of time so that we can spend time there to get them somewhat, you know, caught up and know how to do it if it needs to be. But, um, you know, he can he can play third, he can play first. Um, play second it's been a while but um you know he's he can go get in the outfit he he can do some things so uh we're just trying to again maximize logan lacy lacy is kind of a similar description right a kid that could definitely play third definitely play in the outfield i'm sure there's some other spots you could even line up at yeah he can um he can really defend in the outfield he's a uh you know he's improved as a third baseman and i again i don't know who's gonna be where but um you know the fact that guys have improved defensively from last <clears throat> from last year. That's really important because that's um, you know that was the weak link, if you will, of the team last year. Speaking of defense, shortstop's obviously a place that a lot of balls have to be filled in, including some really difficult ones. Nander is a guy that we've seen there a lot in his career. How has he just developed as he's entering this third season as a Seminole? Well, he's just slowed the, everything down a little bit. You know, the more you do it. Uh, the more you get used to it, the more you get used to it, uh, you know, your heart doesn't beat as fast as it used to. So, um, you know, we've been pleased with with him and his growth. And, um, you know, I think it's helped him just going straight right-handed, uh, take a little bit of the load off and the stress of, you know, worrying about hitting left-handed and, you know, jack of all trades, master of none, if you will. So um, I think that's you know, made for a good recipe for him. Does anything on this team excite you as much as the possibility of what your outfield can be? 
Well, yeah, the pitching. I think. Yeah, I know you like the pitching. Yeah, I think you know the sky's the limit with these guys, um, and it's going to make our hitters better. You know, they're they're seeing one of the best groups in the country, day after day. And um, there's um, you know left-handed, right-handed, sidearm over the top. They're they're seeing every sort of look that they're going to see. And uh, there's been years in the past where you're worried, you know, that hey, we we don't have enough left-handers for our guys, our hitters to see. So. Um, you know, the pitching staff has got a chance to be, you know, really special. The freshman groups, especially impressive guys like Wyatt and uh, Carson Montgomery, Jackson, uh, just what, what is it about those arms that you like so much? Is there something that you guys really tried to attain when you went after pitching in that class? Well, we tried to, you know, obviously get the guys that we feel like mentally can handle it. That's one of the things that's really come through in the last four or five years is is you really got to dig into the makeup and the and the toughness and um we want our guys to pitch mean and um you know if they don't have those personality traits then uh, most of the time you can't all of a sudden create those so uh, we've been very pleased with their tempo and competitiveness and athleticism uh, you know that's something that's also overlooked is um, you know, you look at a CC Sabathia, I'll just use his him as an example. Yeah, towards the end of his career, he was big, but back in the day, he could dunk a basketball. He was incredibly athletic, and, um, you know, we want our guys like that. When you talk about digging into guys, kind of trying to paint a full, full picture of them, is it talking to people, coaches, you know, travel ball team, all that kind of stuff, or is there something deeper to that discussion? Well, it's a, it's a combination of the phone calls and FaceTimes that you have with them and and then doing your due diligence when it comes to people that they're around a lot, you know, whether it's coaches and other players and you just kind of, you know, well, what, what happened in this situation? How did he react? You know, things along those lines, you can get a, you can get an idea for, you know, how they're made. For a kid like Carson Montgomery, uh, highest major league baseball draft pick projection, not to go in the pros to come to college. What does that kind of weight, what does a kid have to deal with with that kind of weight on his shoulders? I mean, Drew Mendoza was a highly thought of kid who decided on the college game. You guys have had plenty over the years, but what is it like for a kid when he's walking on campus with that level of ex- expectations and navigating just knowing, it? Yeah, just knowing that everybody's looking at you, um, you know, with hype and fame or whatever you want to call it, you know, comes with, you know, scrutiny. And, and you've got to, you know, be wired to where you're, you care about what you say to people and how you act and how you go about your business. Um, and it's important. And Carson has been an absolute dream. He's unfortunately, a lot of times guys, you know, with big hype and um, accolades and stuff like that, that they've never been coached because, you know, the coaches are scared to to mess with them. So the, the, the kids, you know, aren't coachable, but you know, Carson Montgomery is not cut from that cloth at all. You have a lot of veteran pitchers on this staff, Jonas Scarlero, Connor Grady, Chase Haney, of course, who's been here for almost a decade, it feels like. <laughs> How beneficial is it just to have guys that have so many innings under their belt, so much experience in so many different situations? Oh, it's, uh, it enables you to sleep a lot better at night because there's always going to be times which things have got to you know, settle down during the course of a ball game. And you know, when you have guys that have experience and can get on the mound and control those situations and calm things down Uh, a lot of times it flips momentum and uh, it's really important and um, you know those guys you know have tons and tons of innings and experience and 
we're just uh, excited again that they're with us. I think Parker Messick is a guy that made a strong impression on people in year one. He he can be a starter type. I know you've talked about that in the past. Can he be Friday starter good? And is he a guy you think may get that first pitch against UNF when things begin? Yeah, he absolutely could. Uh, we feel like we've got, you know, one A and one B and one C. Uh, it's, it's a good problem to have. We've got to have guys accept their roles, but, you know, Parker just wants the ball. He just wants to compete. And, um, he's one of those guys that's wired like the, the greats are wired as well. He's never satisfied and, um, you know, he can do a lot of things. But we haven't decided upon who's going first and second and stuff like that yet. With having, I think it's around two dozen arms to your disposal. Um, how do you intend to approach pitching big picture wise? You, you've spoken some about it in the past, but obviously Tampa Bay Rays, Kevin Cash, and FSU guy in his own right. He's a very different thinker when it comes to pitching. You spoke on some of those ideas that he employs. Do you expect to do some of those similar things and just kind of maybe paint an idea of what you intend to do with having so many arms in an unusual big roster year? Yeah, we're we're really preaching that, you know, there's no pacing. You know, you're, you're, if you're a starter, reliever, whatever, give us all you got. And we feel like it's, it's dropping a little bit, no big deal. We'll go and get one of your teammates and we want to keep them fresh, but we want to keep them sharp. So we're going to do like very similar, you know, how we were last year is, is using a lot of guys and, um, you know, again, keep them fresh, keep them sharp for the most important time of the year. You still hoping to have six to eight starter types when things figure out? I'm sorry, you kind of cut out on me. I was asking, do you still hope to have around six to eight guys that you view as starter types when you guys hit the diamond? We're, yes, just for the COVID reasoning. If, if you got to have guys built up. So um, we are building up seven right now. Um, and that's, we're going to hold steady there. And we feel like that's enough and um, we'll build them up. You can always back them off, but it's, it's hard to do it in the middle of the year, start building a guy up. So we took a little bit different approach a lot of the accolade, accolades in the preseason have gone to the outfield Robbie Martin being the guy who I think's kind of led that charge what has Robbie done that you think's made him so appealing in scouts eyes is it the fact that he got himself in shape is it simply the production he's put out there in the last two seasons what is it about Robbie that makes him appealing not only to be a big piece of the puzzle for your team but at the next level it's just all of the above it's a combination they want to see the desire and dedication of you know, to slim down and get lighter on your feet and run better. And uh, the defensive package is coming together. He's playing a, a heck of a lot better out there. Um, you know, and then he can flat out hit. So he's, he's hit all of his life. And guys that have that you know, ability to consistently square up balls, it's, it's hard to find. And, the, you know, the way things are now, it's, you know, the swing and miss rates are through the roof. And you got to have guys that can balance out your lineup. How much have you enjoyed watching a healthy Reese Albert out there again after what he went through with that shoulder a couple of years ago? Yeah, it's really encouraging and exciting, and I'm happy for him. Uh, he, he doesn't have that fear of, you know, taking a swing and going. This, you know, is incredibly painful, and um, he's playing great. He's playing, you know, with his hair on fire like he used to, and uh, you know, diving, and he's not concerned about the shoulder anymore. So, um, we're expecting a big year. And then Elijah's next piece of the outfield. What? Obviously, everybody knows he's got a big bat. He can drive it 400 feet and make it look pretty easy when he does so. But what what has Elijah done to become a better player than he was last year and to build on what he did from last year versus the previous year? Well, he's a lot stronger. And, you know, the strength really helps you as a hitter. 
you know, you can start your swing later uh, because you have more bat speed. And uh, when you start your swing later, you make better decisions on whether you should swing at the pitch or not. And, um, you know, he's always been a very talented outfielder. Uh, he's got big, you know, huge power, as much power as probably anybody in the country. And uh, we just got to harness it. Uh, he's got a little tweak of a hamstring right now. We're trying to work through that. But, um, you know, we are we're content, you know, with our big three in the outfield, that's for sure. You talk a lot about it comes down to pitching, base running, defense. Those are kind of the big three that regardless of what your roster looks like, those are the things that will help you win games. Do you feel like this team is maybe exceeding expectations in any of those three or any of those three areas where they still have a good bit of work to do here in the coming weeks? Well, they all do, you know, have work to do, um, you know, but that, those are the three things, three constants that'll keep you in ball games every night. If you pitch it, play defense and, and run the bases correctly. Um, those are three things that it's not like, you know, that fleeting tool of hitting or, you know, you run into a big strike zone or you run into a guy that's just on that night. So, um, you know, that'll keep us in. And, and, and they bought in. We, we've really stressed it. And they bought in. And uh, we have seen improvement in, in all areas. Awesome, mate. Anything else about the 21 team that you want to bring up or that I should have asked you about? No, just that uh, we're crazy excited. Gosh, it's been a long time. These guys are chomping at the bit. And uh, I think the fans will love the product on the field. And I can't wait to see everybody again. It, it's um, It's been a lonely time for everybody. Appreciate it, Coach. Looking forward to seeing you at Hauser, and good luck with UNF a little over a week from now. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. CBS Monday, NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.